All right, everybody, welcome to 24 Slayton. Um, we're back with Jason, and um, we're here. Just uh, going to get back into the story, and hopefully you guys listen to the first one and have some more stuff to go into. So earlier we talked about um, my family and childhood growing up and, you know, just different things in your life. And now we were almost on it in the talking, but you were talking about, like, um, hanging out and the guys you were hanging out with and, not to school, but you're trying like you were getting fights and stuff of that. So from that, that transitioned into other stuff. So like, let's talk. Let's go into that part from like like right around where we were, I guess. Maybe you know. Okay. Well, I mean, so kind of like I was saying, it was when you know my best friend Terry he moved and like. It kind of just triggered those like abandonment issues that I had in me, you know, and I felt like kind of all alone. And I remember going to school and like I had other friends there, of course, but it just wasn't the same, you know. Mm -hmm. I didn't have my boy there with me. I didn't have the guy that I felt like, you know, has my back 100%. And I always craved that. You know, because, like, I just felt like I didn't have that growing up, mm -hmm. you know. I didn't have my father. I didn't have, like, um, really close friends and, you know, like, people that I really fully trusted. Um, uh, well, you know what? That's a lot. I did have one when I was younger, but the same thing happened. Yeah. He moved away. Yeah. And so that happened. And after that, I kind of just was like, I had friends, but not to that depth, you know, where it was like, I trust you and I share everything with you. And, you know, so after that, everything was just kind of like surface level with people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, we play sports, we do this, we go out and ride bikes or whatever, but you're not really talking about anything, you know, it's yeah. just surface level, but with Terry, it was different, I had a really good friend, you know, and so when that happened, like I said, I just kind of felt alone, I felt abandoned, and I just kind of was like went into this like belief that like everybody leaves me you know everybody that i care about leaves me mm -hmm. and so i just made the decision that i didn't want to go to school there anymore you know like i kind of just stopped playing basketball, you know, I just kind of was like, like whatever with that, you know, like it was just kind of gave up on that dream. And so I went back with my mom because um, I knew I had other people that I, you know, I could hang out with and, um, that I felt like kind of had my back, you know, 
And so when I did that, it was just kind of like back into that whole, you know, gang culture, lifestyle, you know, the criminal uh, element. It was just, I was kind of enmeshed in that now again. And so I just kind of like dove into it like head first. Yeah. You know, I just went full throttle with the whole gang culture, the everything. Like, uh, I, I wanted to, like, I had been fighting it, you know, that's what it felt like. I had been fighting it my whole life, but it was always there. And, like, it just kind of felt, like, inevitable. Yeah. You know? And so I just kind of stopped fighting it and just went with it and said, hey, you know, this is who I am. This is what I am. And just put my whole heart into that, to that gang lifestyle. And um, the sad truth is, like, I just became, like, a really horrible person. <laughs> I had dabbled in drugs, you know, so I started like at the age of 12. I was smoking weed here and there, drinking here and there. Um, you know, I had tried different drugs, but it, it was never like took hold of me, you know. Um, but once I kind of gave myself over to that, I just really latched on to drugs, like as a coping mechanism, you know, cause we were doing a lot of bad stuff. Um, and so I was just kind of trying to stay high all the time. And, you know, meth was my drug of choice. And now that I'm a little older, I kind of understand why, because, you know, I have ADHD, and so that drug is kind of like an equivalent of, like, the the stimulants that they give you to treat ADHD, yeah. and so I'm kind of, like, self-medicating, and uh, kind of, it kind of gave me this feeling like I just was, had superpowers, you know, like really, I felt like I could do anything, anywhere, anytime. Um, like I just felt invincible. Um, and so I kind of acted accordingly, you know, I, I was just, you know, using a lot of violence, hurting people, um, you know, out there gang banging, um, really uh, robbing people, committing home invasions, uh, taxing people, just, you know, I didn't really know a whole lot about the whole gang, like, um, politics at that time, Yeah. but I was just doing what I was told, you know. Um, they say, do this, hey, I did it, you know, because... Yeah. I wanted that acceptance, you know, I wanted that love, I wanted that, um, 
that sense of like, hey, you know, you're one of the fellas, you're down, you're, you're like, we got you, yeah. you know, uh, we'll, we'll die for you, you know, like it was just this really warped sense of brotherhood. And um, I was just kind of like doing everything in my power not to lose that again because I didn't want to feel abandoned. And so it all kind of just came to a head because that's where it was going, you know? Like it was either I was gonna go to prison or I was gonna die. And there was multiple occasions where I could have died, you know? I got in shootouts, I one point I had, you know, one of the enemies, he, there was like a group of them, like five of them. They had me surrounded and they had a gun to my head and they were literally telling me, I'm going to kill you. You know, we told you don't come over here anymore. Don't be around here. And, you know, they, they robbed me. Um, but because of just how stubborn I was, like they wanted this ring that I had and I wouldn't give it up. And they literally had a gun to my head telling me that I'm going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. You're not getting my ring. Yeah. And, you know, by the grace of God, they didn't kill me. They had every opportunity. It was the middle of the night, 2 a.m., out there in the pitch dark. And I'm in their neighborhood because that's where my mom lives. Yeah. And, you know, um, but somehow, you know, I made it through that and yeah, like I said, it just kind of all came to a head eventually. Uh, I got arrested for an attempted murder and a home invasion. And um, so now it was kind of I'm in this uh, you know LP uh, Los Padrinos, you know I'm in there, and now it's just like a whole new world. Yeah, you know it was. Uh, now you're. Because when you're out in the streets, you know, it's like you got weapons, you got your homeboys, you <laughs> yeah. got all this. And, you know, it's uh, you feel like you're very brave, you know, yeah. but now you're in there and it's just you and you got to survive. Yeah. You know, you got to you got to you got to make it through. You know, you can't be no punk. You can't be somebody that you know people feel they could take advantage of because then that's just what you're marked as and yeah. you're going to be treated like that like a punk you know and people are gonna hurt you you know so i was just dead set against that i was like i'm not gonna be that guy you know and um just kind of uh went from there where i was just constantly getting in fights you know um, I remember somebody 
you know, they, they test you when you get in there right away. And so it was, um, somebody stole my stuff, you know, I went to go take a shower, all my stuff was gone. And I was just like, okay, like, what do I do now? You know, like, uh, and so I went to, you know, one of the homies who's there and like, and he's like, Hey, you gotta go. They call it, you know, throwing a fuck or a base or whatever, you know? And so going to the day room where everybody's programming and it's just like, like, fuck, fuck your mama, your, your hood, your granny, everybody, whoever took my shit, you know? And if they're about that life, they're going to get up and, and, you know, come at you because yeah. you just disrespected him in front of everybody. And so that's what happened. You know, the guy rushes me, we fight, go to the box, come back out, we fight again, you know, and, but, you know, people see like, okay, like, hey, you know, you're not a punk. And so you kind of get a little bit of respect and, um, then you can kind of more maintain, you know, and, um, but it just so happened that I got this Sally, uh, he was like a Compton Crip and he ended up like disrespecting me and we ended up fighting. And then after that, all the Compton Crips in my, <laughs> in my little module wanted to fight me. Yeah. You know, and so I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> and I'm telling the homies, like, what's up? Like, kids, you got my back or what? They're like, hey, that's, that's, that's you. You're, that's your thing. You know, mm -hmm. like, you got to deal with it. And so I'm, I'm fighting all these dudes. And finally, they just kind of got tired of me, you know, and, and LP. Because they were just like, you're causing too much trouble. And so... They ended up sending me to the L.A. County, but they had a juvenile section. And so I'm in there, and um, it's kind of like it's kind of like going from uh, from high school to college now, you know, because now you're not with the little kids no more. I mean, we're still kids, but now you got all the politics involved because you're in an adult facility yeah and so it's just like now you got somebody that's running things and you know people got to get hurt and jumped or whatever you know they got to get taken care of and so i kind of put myself in that position where it was like Okay, well, somebody got to get, got to get beat up. Like, I'll do it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and since I was a big guy, you know, they're like, yeah, okay, cool. And so, you know, somebody got to get regulated, like me and somebody else, just go in there and beat them up, you know. And, and you know, as I look back, it's like just so stupid, you know, for yeah. the reasons and why and, but... At the time, like, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was just, I was having a ball there, you know, yeah. we're, we're 
carrying knives and we had drugs galore that we were getting from the guys in the in the in the juvenile halls uh, because they had easy access and since like we were still juveniles but they would put us together and the holding tanks at court and they would just give them to us and take them back and you know we're transporting all kinds of drugs and dope and everything and um, and then it was just kind of like it became like super racial you know where it was you know Mexicans against the blacks against the whites against you know everybody just kind of sticks to their own you know and um, I mean that was kind of hard for me at first because it was like you know I'm I grew up with black people, you know what I mean? You're my uncle, (laughs) I mean, you know, you're half black, and, you know, I had a lot of, uh, my best friend was black, you know, at the time, I mean, you know, um, so, Chavez, and, yeah, Chavez, and all those guys come over, it was just like, I mean, for a second there, I thought I was black, (laughs) you know what I mean, so, it was kind of difficult, but I mean, it's like, you gotta do what you gotta do to survive, you know, and so, Um, that's just how it was. It was like anytime you have an opportunity to, to hurt one of these guys, I mean, you take it or else, you know, you labeled like a punk chump, whatever, you know? And so I was hurting a lot of guys in there, um, because of the fact, just because that they were black or they were Asian or, you know, whatever, just because of that. And so, um, even though I didn't truly believe it, like I wasn't, uh, like racist, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? But, um, I just kind of took on those, those beliefs and those morals because it was like, Hey, like, this is what you do when you're in here. Yeah. And so, um, was there a problem because you didn't speak Spanish? Nah, because <laughs> no. you know, like you know, like well, the thing is, like most guys, like gang members, yeah, they speak a certain way. Yeah, for a sure. lot, lot of lot of gang lingo. Yeah, it, but, they do. But you don't you don't speak a lot of it. I don't know if you don't do it because you're out, but like you don't. Like... I mean, I kind of took on some of it, you know, but <laughs> I. I, I was never that guy, though, that yeah. was that cliche, uh, yeah. you know, hey, what's up, homes, and uh, yeah. all that type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of... All just, the words through shower. Yeah, and those, you know, those, those. Like that, that was never me. I, okay. I just kind of spoke how I spoke. And, mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you do take on some of the lingo, of course. But, yeah. Um, and then the only thing that about not knowing Spanish is that it was kind of a hindrance because it was um, like I, I, if somebody's speaking to you and they don't want somebody else to know, but like another race, especially then yeah. they're going to speak to you in Spanish and you need to know what they're saying because yeah. sometimes it's important. And so, I mean, I learned pretty fast a, yeah. a, a lot, you know, cause I had no choice Yeah, and I couldn't really respond, but I understood what they were telling me yeah and that's all i really needed to know and yeah because my, my mom 
spoke Spanish. Never spoke to us. Never. <laughs> my dad, my dad actually, you know, where he grew up in East LA, he, my dad knows perfect Spanish. Is that Never right? talking. Yes, yeah, perfect. Like, if he, he was talking on the phone, you wouldn't leave his back black. So he, he speaks uh, perfect he's Spanish. Black, black. Yes. <laughs> and then, and Jordan, like Jordan, he learned Spanish. So Jordan knows how to speak Spanish. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because he's white, Mexican, black, yeah. something, something else. <laughs> so, okay, you know, okay. so he knows he knows Spanish. So he's you know, but it's funny. I like, I don't know it, and everybody asks me like, "Why don't you know it?" Yeah. My household did not speak it. So, nope. yeah. So Granny gets upset if you assume that she speaks Spanish. <laughs> yes, yes, that's funny. One of her biggest pet peeves. Yeah, it's funny. Yes. Yeah. Why do you assume that I know yeah. Spanish? Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. you do know yeah. Spanish. Yeah. What do you but, mean? But don't assume it. <laughs> don't label me. Yeah. <laughs> you look Mexican, mom. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, that was always hilarious. To yeah, me. she would get uh, get upset about that, and I'm like, "What you doing in Spanish?" That's grindy. That's grindy. Anyways, I mean, so it was just kind of like, um, just you know, um, fighting my case. Um, so you were already in. Okay, when you were fighting your case, you were you were still in juvenile, right? Yeah, I was a juvenile. I um, I first they have what's called a fitness hearing, right? And so this is essentially like a court hearing where they decide whether you're going to be tried as a juvenile or an adult, and so. On um, when I had my fitness hearing, because I had literally like no record, I had never been really arrested for anything. Or and there was a couple times where I was arrested, but I was always let go because I was a minor and all that, and they didn't really have any proof. But I actually won my fitness hearing, meaning that they decided they were going to charge me as a juvenile, and so. I was about to take a deal where they had offered me like a year in camp. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, yeah, where do I sign? You know, but at the time I had this lawyer and he was just not really a good lawyer. Yeah, you know, minor, you minor. know, he's he's what they call a dump truck, you yeah. know, in the in the prison. You know. But uh, so I don't know what actually happened. Uh, they just kept postponing it, and then a, a uh, later on, um, maybe about a few weeks later, a month later, I went back and I was trying to tell my lawyer like, "Hey, let me sign the deal," you know, like and. They were like, oh, they took it off the table. And I was like, what? Why? You know? And then all of a sudden I go to court and now they're charging me with all kinds of more charges. You know? Mm -hmm. They're trying to get me for a murder and another attempted murder and all kinds of different crazy stuff, you know? And I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and I didn't really understand because how, 
all this stuff that they're charging me with, like, I didn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just, like, the truth, you know? And so, but what happened was they had to have another fitness hearing, and now I lost because I had a record now because of the other arrest. And so now instead of getting a year in camp, now um, you know, I'm facing life in prison. And um that was hard, you know, it was hard to do because it was the reason why all of this came out, especially was because one of my crime partners, you know, one of my homeboys or whatever you call it, he basically told everything, you know, about what happened and they just, you know, as the cops do, they just figure, hey, you were there for this, so you must have been here for this because they said there was a group of people and so now you're getting charged with it. And so it was like you know i'm i'm speaking to people and they're just kind of telling me basically like like you're done you know like you're it's there's there's really no hope for you yeah you know like you're um you're charged with all this stuff and you're pretty much gonna get life and you're gonna spend the rest of your life in prison and die in there Mm -hmm. and so that just kind of came my belief you know i just kind of latched onto that to where it was like i i lost hope kind of you know it's what it is or it's not even kind of it's what it was you know i lost hope that i was going to get out and so It's kind of hard, you know, to to deal with it, but, you know, I found ways to just cope, and that was just through just basically diving even more deep into it, to the culture, and to everything, you know, um, and, um, So eventually I ended up being sentenced to uh, seven years to life in prison for an attempted murder and home invasion. You know, what happened though was like, as I was fighting my case, like all these other charges were like dropped and dismissed and to where I was back to the original charges, yeah. but now I'm in adult court. Yeah. So, um, I got adult time. Yeah. You know, and I'm not trying to sit here and like make it seem like it's unfair, you know, um, because the truth is I was guilty, you know, um, I was there. I tried to murder this man and I don't really want to, like, say who it was or why and all that, but I participated, and 
you know, I felt like he deserved it. And that's the sad truth. I felt like he was a snitch and he told on us and got one of my homies arrested. And so I was like, at that time, my belief was, you know, that can't be allowed. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to go. And so it was kind of like we never really talked about it and like formulated this plan where we're going to go over here and try to kill this man. But it was just kind of understood, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we went into his apartment. We're going to rob him and it just kind of escalated, you know, and there was four of us went in to his apartment and started with just kind of intimidation and yelling and telling them where his money is, valuables, and um, then it kind of one of my crime partners, he hit him, and the other one hit him, and, you know, I was kind of being a lookout at the window, and then it went even further where, you know, we got a bat out of the closet and just kind of started beating him. And at that time, I felt like I I had to do something. Like I had proved my loyalty that like I was down for them, like really down for them. And this was like that moment. And so after they had beat them with the bat and stabbed them, I went in, I got one of the knives and I cut his throat. And so That's why I say that I deserve to go to prison, you know? My sentence, it was just, you know? I tried to take this man's life, and so in any kind of (laughs) uh, society, you know, like, you that's not tolerated, you know, like you have to face some kind of punishment for that, you know? And so I got this life sentence and instead of like it making me reevaluate my life or think about all the things that led me to this path and kind of made me make this decision I just was like kind of in denial you know I was kind of stuck and just you're 16 I was blaming everything else and and, you know I was blaming my crime partner for snitching you know I was saying you know looking at all these legal technicalities and this is not fair and this is this is not fair, and I got a dump truck lawyer, and, you know, like, 
trying to justify things and so when I finally got sentenced to a life like I said I just kind of lost hope and so when I went to finally went to prison um, that was my mindset my mindset was that like I'm gonna spend the rest of my life in here I'm gonna die in here and so I gotta do everything possible to make my life comfortable, you know, mm. to be accepted, to to feel like um, um like acknowledged and respected in here. And um, I remember I went to the high desert, you know, level four, one eighty, in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. And we're on this lockdown, you know, because that's just what high desert was. We're always locked down. Yeah. It was like literally one of the most widely prisons at that time, you know. Um, I don't know. My mom used to tell me, he's on lockdown. We can't go visit him. We're yeah. Lockdown. We can't go visit him. <laughs> and so I remember literally the first day I went out to the yard after like six months of being on lockdown. Um, I'm out there and my, I, you know, I have one of my homeboys on the yard and he comes up to me and he's like, Hey, uh, be careful. Like something's supposed to happen at day. He's like, I don't really know what, but just watch out, you know? And so I'm like, I don't know nothing. I'm 18 years old. You know, I'm an 18 year old kid. I don't know what's. I don't know what to look out for. I don't know what's going on. And so just so happens, right, um, I started talking to this guy, and we're talking and whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, we're facing each other like this, right? And I see two guys coming from behind him, right? And you could just tell, like, something's going on like they're walking with purpose you know yeah and they're coming straight towards us right and i'm just like the hell you know like uh and then all of a sudden the one dude grabs him and just holds him like bear hugs him so he can't move and then the other guy comes and just starts stabbing him in his neck and i remember i was just like what the hell is going on yeah. here? Like, and they take off, right? And the guy just kind of like grabs his neck and just starts kind of staggering away. And then, uh, you know, when something like that happens, everybody just scatters like gets away from the the incident from the person that yeah. got hurt you know and so my homeboy saw and he came he's got me and he's like hey come on here like so we kind of get away and then the dude ends up like he's walking towards the gate trying to go to like you know get out and he just falls though before and nobody sees our and he's just laying there bleeding you know, for like a good, I want to say like five minutes mm -hmm. until finally you hear the alarm 
and they come and get him and like he's just kind of like lifeless um he ended up living you know but that was a scary moment for me yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) and so i remember going back and talking to my celly at the time and telling him what happened and he was young too like we were both young and he was just like like man that's crazy and you know and and we're just talking and we're like man like i don't ever want that to happen to me and so even though i was already in that mindset where i was like hey i gotta do what i gotta do that just kind of even more cemented it in my mind that like i'm gonna do whatever it takes to not let that happen to me yeah um because even though i thought that i wasn't gonna get out like i didn't want to die like that you know i still wanted to live my life yeah even if it was gonna be in prison I want to die an old man in prison, whatever, you know, but so from that time on, it was just like, that was just kind of always in the back of my mind, like driving me, like, I'm not going to be that guy. And so I, I was like the perfect soldier you know like follow the rules and do everything the right way and you know uh, somebody gotta go like all right cool i'll do it you know as long as it's not me if i'm the one doing it then it's not me yeah you know and so you know i just kind of started my prison career from that moment on where uh with that mindset and throughout the years it's what i did you know people had to get hurt i was willing to do it you know i I stabbed quite a few people i beat up people i you know i sold drugs i kind of was like dabbled in the politics but not really because that was never really my thing you know initially uh, i was still young and i was just like uh like that's not i don't want to be a part of that you know um but as time went by it was like you just kind of get put in these positions where it's like now you have this reputation and now people are kind of looking up to you and mm-hmm. they're like oh yeah that's the homie you know like he's with the business and you know so people kind of put these have these expectations of you and they're like well like we need you to do this and we need you to do xyz and like so it was just like kind of reluctantly where 
this, oh, we need you to run this building, or we need you to do whatever it was, and I wasn't going to say no, yeah. you know, because, hey, I'm, I'm here, I'm with the business, I'm one of the guys, you know, so yeah. I kind of got caught up with that a little bit, and then eventually in uh, 2006, I was actually back at High Desert. Yeah. <laughs> this I had left, but then I had I had already went to the shoe one time because I had got an assault on a cop, and then I had got caught with drugs, and um, then when I was in the hole, like. You know, I stabbed somebody, and so I ended up getting a like a three-year shoe. And then after that, I, it kicked me back. So the shoe really bad. The shoe is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's you know. No, but stories like we don't. Most of the people I know have never been there. I don't. Are gonna go there? But yeah. you know the stories that we that. Out here, they hear about the shoe that it's really bad. It's like the worst thing ever, and you know. It is. Shit goes, I mean, shit goes on, and it's um. That's where kind of, that's like the hub of all the politics, you know, because all the guys that are really like active and doing everything, they're usually in the shoe. So there's like a lot of politics going on, a lot of um, scheming and plotting and just like people trying to climb up the ladder and, you know, backstabbing and, you know, and then on top of that, you're in your cell. I mean, 23 hours a day. <laughs> if you're lucky, you get out because yeah. sometimes you don't, you know, and so... Um, it's not as bad now because you get a lot more privileges, but before it was like, you know, you only go to store, like, I don't know, $35 a month. You didn't really have anything, you know, just books, if that, you know, and, um, now though, you can have like a TV and radio store like $80 or $100 or something and so you have a little more luxuries and, but even with that it's still not cool mm. <laughs> you know like I, because like where I was getting to is that when I was back in High Desert in 2006 we ended up doing like a mass hunger strike I mean, not mass hunger strike, a mass um, uh -huh. um, cell extraction where basically everybody, all the, you know, the, the homies all boarded up their cells and made the cops come and get them and, you know, they come in, they pepper spray you. Was this everybody or just Mexicans? Just all the Mexicans. Okay. Yeah. So... And, you know, it's 
kind of jacked up, you know. They yeah. pepper spray you. You don't really have nothing to, yeah. to protect yourself against. Yeah. And, you know, then they all come in all suited and geared up with their helmets and their batons and their and they throw all these pepper spray grenades in there and just come in there and bully you pretty yeah. much, you know. Get you down, handcuff you and strip you butt naked and uh put you back in the cell, you know, and so they send you to the hole. Um and so after that, because I wasn't really involved in the politics there on that yard, but my celly was. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, you know, um, they, they look at me the same because that's your celly. So it's like, well, you guys are together, you're, you know. But and in essence, it's true, you know, like because if your Sally's with the guy that's running the yard, then I mean, you're helping them make decisions, and you're, you know, you yeah. have a say in what's going on, and so they ended up validating like a mass amount of us. I want to say like fifty. Yeah. You know, and um. So now I end up in Corcoran Shoe. And so I ended up spending the next 10 years in the shoe, you know, till 2016 and 20, like the end of 2014, I think. I ended up, ended up finally transferring me to Pelican Bay and I was there for about a year and some change, two years almost, I think. And, um, I mean, that was, oh, that decade was like the worst time of yeah. <laughs> in prison, my prison. Term. So how, how was it going from one, one place to another place? Like, how was the transition to go from like, you went from high desert to pelican to the shoe to the other shoe to i mean it's it's not hard you know like the only time it's hard is when you're on like the main line the general population and you have all your stuff and you know you're out there and you're especially if you're living large like you're getting you're getting drugs and selling and whatever maybe you're involved in the politics and then all of a sudden you just lose everything and then you're like, oh man, this sucks, <laughs> you know, but just going from prison to prison, it's kind of like, it's, it's not really hard because, you know, you have all, you, you have the homies everywhere you go, you know, so when you go somewhere new, as long as you're cool and you're in good standing, they're going to embrace you and make sure you got whatever you need. And, you know, eventually you, usually there's people that you know from other prisons, you know, it's, it's a small world. And if they know you're, a, you know, like deemed like a good guy or with the business, you know, they're going to embrace you. They're going to yeah. bring you in on, in the circle and, 
hey, then, you, then you're good again. But when you go to the shoe or the hole, you know, you kind of lose everything, and then you're just kind of like, ah, oh, it sucks. But, I mean, you adapt, you know, like anything, you adapt. You just find ways to deal with it and cope and... You know, whether it's through reading or... That's what I did. That was my thing. Like, I read a lot. I read probably... I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of books, you know, over the years. And, um... That's where I found, like, a lot of pleasure, a lot of joy. Like, you know, it was kind of an escape. I mean, you know, you go into these different worlds in your brain, and it was something that I enjoyed, you know, that helped me pass the time. And, but once I got to Corcoran, just knowing a lot of people and, you know, now you got real, um, like, members, you know, and they're around you and, you know, they get to see you and get to know you and then if they like you, then it's like, okay, now um, they want to bring you in and, hey, I need you to do this and, hey, I need you to do that. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of what happened to me, where I was like, I had a lot of friends and people that knew me, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's the homie, he's with the business. And, you know, so then the, you know, the, the big dogs, you know, they kind of they are checking you out and they want to see what you're about and see what you can do for them. And, and so then it was like, hey, I need you to do this, and hey, I need you to do that. And, and if you have access to doing different things, and you have people on the streets that will help you out, and which I did, you know? And so that kind of put me in a position to where it's like, now I'm doing X, Y, and Z, you know? I'm running the building, and I'm, I got people on different yards that I'm in contact with and helping them run the yard and making money and, you know, moving drugs and doing all that type of stuff. And it's just like, and it just becomes like a, like a, um, how do you say it? I don't know. It's kind of like a chore, you know, and it, like, it's kind of exciting at first, but then it's like, like, man, this is stressful, yeah. you know, because you're in the spotlight, but at the same time, you've got a lot of responsibilities and you got to deal with everybody's complaints. And, you know, even though these are supposed to be like the the toughest of the toughest and the worst of the worst. Yeah. The, like, there's a lot of people that are big old babies. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they come crying to you because you're running things and you got to deal with all these this little things, issues that are 
really not that important, but it falls on your head, you know? And then on top of that, it's like, if things don't go right, then you've got to face the consequences, you know? Whether that's um, financially or like physically, you know, you get hurt, you know? I've seen people like really because they were in these positions of authority and they mess up and next thing you know, like they're they're done, you know, and seeing people get murdered, you know, over this type of stuff. I've you know, played a part in a lot of different things that I'm not very proud of, you know, but um, it was just kind of like, um, just stressful, you know, that's the best word for yeah. it. it was stressful for me. It was a stressful time of my life. Like I literally ended up having to take high blood pressure medication yeah. because I was so stressed out all the time. You know, and um, just angry. I was just angry. Like, I was angry, bitter. Like, I really was trying to find a way because you don't have access to people no more. You're just by yourself, or you're lucky if you got a Sally, you know. But, um, like, I was trying to find a way to just, like, hurt somebody. Yeah. To get my anger out. And I was always just very quick to like snap on people and belittle them and just like try to get them to react so that I could have a reason to try and justify why I wanted to hurt them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And. Like, I knew I was doing this, but, like, I didn't care. And I really felt like, like, damn, I, like, I could just really, like, kill somebody in here. And I was like, I wanted to. Like, that's what I was trying to do. I was calling people out and telling them, let's let's do this, like, come to my cell, and we'll put in the paperwork, and just, like, and, you know, I don't know, I was just, like, a very angry, mean person, like, that's what I had become now at this time in my, you know, prison journey. So when you were okay, you were there. I was asking a question. I forgot. So when you're in, like that, the like when you like they said that you got up, you did like the fast or not fast, the not eat, and then the board member cells. Mm -hmm. What's it called? Destruction or cell extraction, or whatever. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what are the other like the other 
people, the other prisoners, are you guys all in the same, like, module or, or just your module? No, or it's just, it was the whole yard, so it was, like, every different building or whatever you want to call it, module or whatever. Like, you know, every building holds 200 people or so, so it's, like, every buddy, um, like every Mexican and every and all the buildings did it, the cell extraction, you know. And the other guys, what do they do? They just watch. They stay in their they stay in their cell, or they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they... just yeah, they have to stay in their cell because the cops ain't gonna let them out. What happens when all, what happens to all the, all the pepper spray? Do they get it too? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. You know, if somebody's doing that around you, you just kind of put towels on the floor and like on the sides of the doors and. And block up the vents and stuff, so that way it's that kind of lessens the effect of it that it has in your cell, because you can't get away, you know, mm -hmm. like you're just there. But if you just leave them open, like, yeah. oh yeah, you're gonna feel it. it sucks. It's nothing nice. <laughs> and I remember one time when I, you know, me and another guy, we stabbed this guy in the hole and. Um, they had these, uh, cannons and it's like, so they're like up on a platform. And so you got the two yards right there, right? And there's like chaining fence in between. And, um, but when something happens, they use this cannon and it's like, a, like water mixed with pepper spray, but like high pressure. And so, uh, you know, we were hurting this guy. And so, you know, they're telling us get down and all that. And then they start spraying you with that can cannon, right? And so it's like literally like you're taking a shower with pepper spray. <laughs> like every inch of you is covered with it. And we like walked out of there just like orange. And... I mean, it doesn't feel good, <laughs> that's for sure, and, yeah. like, I'm not laughing, like, because, you know, I feel bad now, you know, I feel bad, like, for all the people that I victimized, you know, because it's just so silly, you know, like, all these, all these things that I did for just all the wrong reasons, you know, like, and, you know, I heard a lot of people yeah. on the outside and on the inside. Here's something. Must be outside. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, you hurt people for the wrong reason. Yeah, I understand what that would be. But, so, and then after, like, so, towards the end, like, how did how did you transition from all that to getting out or trying to get out well like i said at that time i was just kind of very angry bitter and really what it was like what this sparked everything for me was when nana died mm -hmm. um you know I hadn't seen her for probably 
Uh, when I say Nana, that's my yeah, my mom's mom. mom. It's my grandma's mom. Yeah, you know. Did, so did she go visit you? She did used to go visit me when I was in the county. Okay. But once I went to prison, it was just kind of too far for her to go. So I hadn't seen her in probably about 12, 13 years at this point. And, um, you know, she passed away. And uh, I remember... I remember my mom came to visit me and she told me and you know when you're in the shoe it's kind of like you do everything by yourself so they put you in this little visiting booth and then you're behind glass and they're on the other side and so you have your own little individual visiting booth right and um I remember she told me and I just started crying No, that was that was hard for all of us. Cause she was real too. She told you. She told you the same thing. Yeah, right. and um, you know, it was just that. Like she was the first person that I ever lost. That like it really affected me. Mm -hmm. Because like. You know, you, you see people die, you know, on the streets, and you see whatever people. And I sat, you know, homies in there that got killed and stuff, you know. I seen one of my, like, a, some young guy, I remember we were kind of, we were, like, really cool. And he tried to bring in some dope, and it busted in his stomach, and he ended up, dying, the OD, you know, and, but at the same time, it was just like, I felt bad, you know, I did, but it was just like, wow, hey, this was what you signed up for, you know what I mean, like, yeah. and so, I didn't really kind of allow myself to feel it, you know, um, but with her, it was different, you know, and, so it hit me hard and I just went back. I remember going back and I remember I cried for about like two days. <laughs> yeah. And I remember there, I remember thinking like, like, man, like, is this really, what my life has amounted to? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, like I lost somebody that I really love and a lot of great memories with, you know, um, and I hadn't seen her in such a long time, and on top of that, it's like, I'm validated, I'm in the shoe, and at that time, I really believed, like, I was going to die, 
in prison in the shoe. Yeah. And so it was like, is this what my life is going to be like? <laughs> like, I'm just going to be here stressed out, dealing with all this drama, BS, and just losing the people that I care about most. And Stop. And like what really hit me though hard was that like I just started thinking like she passed away believing that I cared more about the game and that lifestyle more than I did about her and my family, you know? Yeah. And I didn't want to keep doing that, you know, I didn't want, you know, my grandma, my mom, you know, like, you guys, you know, like the people I love and cared about to just continue thinking that, like, oh, that's just him, that's just who he is, that's just, you know. That's what he, 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 that's what he cares about, you know, and so, I mean, it's seriously, like, to me, I kind of seem like that to you, to, um, like, that's how it kind of seemed when you were in there, mm -hmm. because my mom would just be like, that was done, no, he's in jail, he's doing this, but it was nothing really positive of trying to get out or thinking about getting out, you know, he was just, you were just going through the motions or whatever, and, and like she would, because I'll tell her, how's he doing? Like, what do you think? And she's like, and like she's saying, go, if I want to go visit you. But I, like I said, I'd never want to go see you in jail. Mm -hmm. Like I'd rather the memories we had before that. And then when you get out, I'll see you then. You know what I mean? So that's the whole thing. And it's just like, I, when you were in there and the way she would go, she would just she'd be like, that's it. This This is it forever. Like. And, you know, it was taking a toll on her. Like, you know, she'd go down there and she and she was 100. She goes and, you know, she'd go with her mom and now she'd go by herself. And then she's starting to go with somebody else. Mm -hmm. I don't know who else she was going with. She would just, you know, they'd tr go down there. She'd take the train and I'd buy her a plane ticket or whatever it is to get out there. And then, then she started going with Darlene. And it was just, you know, she, you know, it was hard. Like, it was hard for her to go, but she just kept going, you know, and it was just like. Yeah. You know, she was, she was, she was going to go no matter what, but it's just like. Her her look was like this is it like I'm he's not getting out he's not even trying to get out you know it's just this is where he this is it I'm just gonna go visit him and go visit him till I can't visit him no more and then you know but there's sometimes when she'd be sad because you were you were far away or it was just she couldn't make it you know I seem like your mom was the same way your mom was be like I'm like you going um I'm gonna go but what's him not going um your mom's not going I'm like 
Let's see, I go, well, you know, this, like, wait. No, she, no, I already made an appointment. Now I'm already, and my mom's stubborn. She just, you know, yeah. she would be sick or whatever. And I'm like, but. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I could see it. Yeah. I'm glad so, you changed, though. Glad you changed your mind, though, you know. Yeah. So it was just kind of like that was the catalyst that kind of sparked things, you know, because I was just like, I don't want to do that, you know. Like, I don't want to just keep losing the people that I love and then just building that. All I care about is myself and the gang and, you know, my just stupid work beliefs, you know, that I had. And so, I mean, it wasn't like a, you know, light switch thing where it just, yeah. hey, I'm just all of a sudden I'm a new person, you know, but that sparked something in me that made me start to do things differently. You know, I, I started um, like doing these little courses through correspondence, like self-help, stuff like that, like anger management and, you know, um, like any 12 steps. And, um, and I started doing college you know, it was like uh, the opportunity came up and I just say, you know what, like, I got the time, like, I'm just in my cell all day, like not doing anything, like yeah. I might as well see what, what this is about, you know, um, and I did it and I liked it, you know, I did good, I, I excelled, I got mostly A's and B's and, you know, and it was something to like look forward to. And so slowly it was just like, I started doing more and more of these things, but I'm still in the shoe. I'm still caught up in stuff and it's hard to kind of like disconnect yourself from all that when you're still, you know, they have these expectations of you and, um, so let's let's end this one right here. We'll end this one right here, and then we'll continue with the next one. So, um, yeah, this is we're gonna continue. This is on episode two on Jason, and then we'll go on. Um, we'll come back and do another episode on number for number three. That should be the the last one coming out. So, hope you guys are enjoying what you're listening to, and hope for and hopefully the story is inspirational to help you cope with some of the things that you go through or some of the things you're going through. And he can help, you know, um, help um, your your situation. Maybe you can go the right way or, you know, not grow the right way, but, you know, just help your your journey into a better place or just see what's going on. All right. So thanks, Chase. And then we'll come back with number three. All right. All right, everybody. Like and subscribe. Uh, like and subscribe. Uh, all platforms. YouTube. 24 Slayton. All right. Thanks a lot. And we're out.